Hey, why don't you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. The name of the message this morning is Taking Ground. Everyone say, Taking Ground. Taking Ground. You know, every time you take ground, it's, it's, it's another establishment of the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible promises that everywhere we step our foot, uh, you know, that we're taking ground. And, and we're believing in the next two years that as we build stuff on our, on our property here, that we'll be taking ground as well, yeah? It's enthusiastic this morning. Let me start here. In verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant, and said, Moses, my servant is dead. Get going. <laughs> Didn't even give him time to mourn or anything. It's just like, he's dead, move on. Cross this Jordan. Maybe this, some of you need to hear that this morning. That thing that you've been craving for for so long, or that relationship that you so desperately wanted that you've hung on to for years and years and years, it's dead, move on. Cross this Jordan River, and all the people cross to the country. I'm giving to the people of Israel, I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness that is Lebanon east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country. I could say a really corny joke like Vegemites and Marmites and all that, but I'm not going to do that. And then west to the great sea, it is all yours. All your life, no one will be able to hold out against you. And that great promise, all your life, no one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage, you are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promise to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have. Heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you. Every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of Revelation, the Word of God, be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. And then listen to this. Then you will get where you're going then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you strength, courage? Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. What a great promise that God gives to Joshua. You know, the whole thing starts off a little bit morbid where he goes, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. You know, I'm not sure why he had to tell him that Moses was dead because Joshua was basically Moses' right-hand guy. I'm pretty sure Joshua knew that Moses was dead. Yeah? You, you don't have to tell me that my brother's dead. I know he's dead. You, know, you don't have to tell me Moses is dead. I know he's dead. So why is he that he's telling him that Moses is dead? Now get going. I think one of the key things here, and I shared this a little bit last Sunday, is that you have to understand is that the reason why he's telling him that Moses is dead is because the promise to go into the promised land that he promised the forefathers, that promise was given to Moses. He said, if you will lead the people out of Egypt, I will take you into this promised land. And so the promise was given to Moses to take Israel out of and into. The problem is, is now Moses is dead and they haven't gone in. And so he's trying to say to Joshua in this moment, I mentioned this last Sunday, is he's trying to say to him, even though Moses is dead, the promise still stands. Even though Moses is dead, the promise still is. Even though Moses is dead, what I gave him, I'm going to give to you. Because as I was with Moses, I'll be with you also. Everything that I promised Moses, I'm promising to you. And I think there's this element that we've got to understand when it comes to stepping into new seasons in God, stepping into the new thing that he has to us. We have to let Moses die because Moses can bring us to a point, but Moses can't take us in. We hold on so much. You know, I, I spent some time with my parents this week in Fungunui, the most fun place on the place of the universe, if you're an armpit. And... Um, I'm sorry if you're from Wanganui, I apologize. I can't help it that every time I drive into Wanganui, I feel like I'm driving into the armpit of the universe, but that's okay. It's just a joke. All right, calm down. 
But I spent some time, and I was talking with my dad. I had to take him to a doctor's appointment, and I'm sitting there talking to him. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I reckon the older my parents get, the more blunter they become. Have you, have you noticed that? It's like the filter system disappears. And it's like, I'm 78 years of age, and I'm just going to say what I think, and I don't really care if it upsets you. Anybody else got older parents like that? It's like they reverted back to when they're two and they say, I hate you, you know, to parents. You know how kids say that, don't know filter, and then they grow up and we realize there's right ways and wrong ways to say things, and it's almost like they get into their late 70s and my parents are like, yeah, filter's gone. <laughs> and I'm spending some time with him and, and he's just so, so, he's just so blunt. And he goes, you know what the problem is with the church? I thought we'd just had a doctor's surgery, but please tell me what the problem with the church is. And this is my 78-year-old dad. is so hold on to the past that they never step into their future. They so hold on to their salvation experience that they never walk out their salvation. They so hold on to their healing that they never move on from healing into healing others. They so hold on to what happened in the 70s in the Jesus movement that they don't understand that that was when propellers into the next movement. They don't understand that until they can let go of Moses is really what he's saying, they can never step into the promised land. Until they understand that Moses is dead, they can never move forward because you can't move forward while you're looking backwards. And, and, you know, and, and I love history. Don't get me wrong. History is so, so important because history explains to you why you got to where you are, but history does not explain where we're going. And he's saying to Moses, he's saying to Joshua, Joshua, Moses is dead. Now get going because we've still got a plan in place. We've still got a promised land to take. This promise still stands. It hasn't died with Moses. It's up to the next generation to pick it up. And here's the thing, and I will say this about my generation. We spent so much time, my generation, blaming the generation before us for where the church was at that we never picked up where they left off and took it to another place. It's starting to happen now. And every young person that's in this place your job is not to criticize the generation that went before as to where they've got it to. Your job is to go, Moses is dead. Now let's take this thing to the next stage. We can spend all our time reminiscing about what has or what should have, what could have, or, or whatever. Or we can turn around and go, man, there's a promised land still waiting for us. His promise still stands. I need to step into that. Some of you have had things die around you. Marriages have failed. Uh, family members have died, health has got in the way, your kids have gone off track, financial problems, and it's like, you know, here's the whole thing, I get that that is really, really hard to turn around and realize that those things have died in your world, but if you can't let Moses die, you can never step in to the promise, the promise still stands. You see, when he gave you promises over your life, he knew divorce was going to happen. When he gave you promises over your life, he knew a doctor was going to declare cancer over you. When he promised you the things that he promised you, he knew everything that was going to happen, but his promise still stands. And his word doesn't return empty, but it accomplishes everything that it sets out to do. The things around you may be dead, but the promise still stands. The thing that we've got to understand is that now with Moses dead, there's a new strategy now. You see, everything around Israel was built around Moses leading them out of Egypt. Everything was around Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses. And God goes on here with Joshua and says, I'll be with you just as I was with Moses, but we're just going to change the strategy a little bit. We're just going to change the strategy moving forward. You see, with every new season, there actually has to be a new strategy because with Moses, God gave him a stick. Remember that story? What's in your hand? A stick. Throw it down, turns into a snake, he freaks out, grab the end of it, becomes a stick again. Everywhere Moses went, it was the stick, the stick, the stick. The Red Sea, put out your stick. He puts a stick out over the sea and it part, the water's part. Everything was about the stick. When, when they got really sick in the camp of Israel, they put the stick in the middle. Everyone looked to the stick and everyone was good. It was like, what was in your hand, Moses? Moses was a stick, but he says to Joshua, we're moving forward into the promise. We're going forward into the promised land. We're going forward into the thing that I promised you, and we're not taking the stick with us. Moses was all about a stick, but this generation, Joshua, is always all going to be about a sword. 
It's going to be about a sword, not about the stick. Because the stick was in your hand, the sword is what will be in your mouth. Because he says to him, don't let this book, the Word of God, don't forsake it. Don't turn from it, but meditate on it. Ponder on it day and night. Do not let it leave you, and I will be with you. And if you'll do what it says, you will have success and everything you do, he's saying, Joshua, it's not the stick anymore. It's about the sword now. It's about what I've placed in your mouth, not what I've placed in your hand. Because you see, with, with Moses, it was about what is in your hand. With Joshua, it's about what is in your heart. How do I know it's about what is in your heart? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he's saying to him, as you move forward into this, it's about the word of God being on the inside of you, coming on the outside of you. It's not about what's in your hand. It's not about what you can do, Joshua, like it was with Moses. Everybody look to Moses. Look what Moses can do. Moses can do this. Moses can do everything. Look at the pastor and the leaders. They can do it all. But he's saying, no, 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 Joshua, it's not about Moses and his stick moving forward. It's about the Word of God in your mouth moving forward. And it's no coincidence that as they walked into the promised land, that the very first miracle they saw with the walls coming down around Jericho had nothing to do with a stick and everything to do with a shout of praise to God. You see, you can't have a Jericho moment while you're still holding on to the stick. And the stick is the very reason why Moses never got to go into the promised land. I'm getting ahead of myself. You see, a change in season depends on your ability to change. If you're going to move into a new season, if we're going to step into this new season that I believe that God is calling us into, it means we have to change. Marriage is a new season. If you don't change, that season ends really badly for you. Or it's a misery. You can kind of laugh about that. I saw a few elbows going to the husbands. You see, Moses' death brings new strategies. You cannot process tomorrow's dreams with yesterday's mindsets. A new season requires a new way of thinking. It requires a new mindset new attitudes, you, you, you just can't, you can't do business like you used to do it in the 60s. You can't do business like you used to do it in the 70s. You can't do youth ministry like you used to do in the 80s, even though that was the greatest era on the face of the planet. I can feel the anointing right now. You can't do it like that. You have to be able to change. It requires new attitudes. It requires a new perspective. You can't fulfill tomorrow's dreams of yesterday's mindsets. You know, with Moses, it was what was in your hand. With Joshua, it's what's in your mouth. What's in your mouth, Joshua? What are you going to say? What's, what's happening? Because a new season, and I believe the new season that God is taking us into as a church, as people, as individuals, but as a group, as a church, because you are the church, is a season of the sword and not of the stick. It's a season of what's in your mouth, not what's in my hand. Are you with me today? You see, 12 spies went into the promised land and 12 of them came back with a report, 10 of them negative and two of them positive. But you know what? Every single one of them, you heard me say this before, but every single one of those 12 spies was absolutely correct. The 10 that had a negative report never went in, and that's what they said. We can't do this. We can't go in, and guess what? They never went in. Joshua and Caleb who came back and said, we can do this. We can take the promised land. Guess what? Jacob and, and uh, not Jacob, Joshua and Caleb got to go into the promised land. But what was it? It was what was in their mouth. What were they prophesying about their future? What they were speaking? The new season requires uh, an opportunity for us to prophesy into our future what it is that we believe. Because to prophesy means to call the future into the current. It means to speak of what is to come. So what is it that we're speaking? What is it that you're speaking? Because what you speak is what you'll get. What we're going to say is what's going to happen. And this way you say, oh, mate, Moses is dead. Now get going. Because if he spent all his time talking about Moses and Moses this and Moses that, 
then that would all that would happen, he would just be stuck in this perpetual cycle of never actually moving forward in the promised land, but he's so grieving of what he's lost instead of understanding of what he's gained. And that's our problem as human beings. So often we so focus on what it is that we're losing instead of focusing on what it is that we're gaining. When you have children, your focus is on the sleep that you lose initially, not the great kids that you gain. The family that you gain. It's my beautiful daughter's 17th birthday today. And I could honestly say to you that when she was little and was having tantrums at two years of age, there was no way in my mind that I was thinking, this is a great gain in my life. (laughs) You know those ones where they have them in the supermarket and you're halfway through shopping and you just leave the trolley there and leave because it's just not going to happen. Seth used to have them too when he was little. The only difference was, as we discovered one day, he wanted to be a puppy as we went grocery shopping. And we discovered that him, him going around on his hands and knees, I know it sounds disgusting, and going, <laughs> and acting like a dog, he would, Seth the puppy was better behaved than Seth the boy. <laughs> so every time we went shopping from there on, Seth the puppy can come because he was better behaved. I don't care what people thought. He wasn't having a tantrum. I don't care if they thought, eh, look at his hands on that dirty, dirty floor. He wasn't having a tantrum. And we got the shopping done, praise God. How many parents in this place understand what I'm talking about this morning? But the gain that I've got now in this beautiful girl at 17 years of age, who's a young woman in her own right and makes great choices and has probably got more wisdom than Trinity and I ever had at the same age, The gain is huge. We're so quick to focus on what we lose instead of what we're gaining. And the reason why he said Moses is dead is because if he focused on the loss, he'd never step into his gains. If we focus on what we've lost, we never step into the new. We need to let go of Moses to step into the new. We need to let go of the stick if we're going to pick up the sword. The previous season was all about Moses it was all about what he, can I say this? The previous season in, in our church to a degree has always been, and this has been the culture in church, the church, not just this church, but the church for way, way too long. The pastor will do it, or the pastor has to visit me, or the leadership have to do this, or the leadership, that's Moses. That's Moses. It's not the season we're stepping into. We're not stepping into a season where it's only a few that do something. We're stepping into a season where we all collectively come together. And we all care for one another. And we all visit one another. And we all pray for one another. That's the season that we're coming into because with Joshua, it was always about Moses. But with Joshua, when they went around Jericho, it was everybody and one voice together at the same time. All Joshua did is said, this is the moment. And what I'm trying to say to you this morning is that this is the moment. This is the moment where we're actually going to step into something that's not just on the shoulders of a few, but it's on all of us. I'm going to talk about this a little bit in November as we go through next steps, but we're not going to have pastoral care anymore because pastoral care makes it sound like only the pastor can do it. We're going to have what we call people care where the people care for one another. Come on. The word of the Bible says that they shall know that you follow me because of your love for one another, not the pastor's love for you. You really don't want to survive purely on my love. It's not very good. I disappoint my wife and kids sometimes. I'm going to disappoint you. We want to survive in in an environment where everybody loves each other, that we're all there for each other, that when we notice somebody isn't here, 50 people contact you and make sure that you're not sick and that you're okay. We just feel so overwhelmed because everybody loves on me. It's not Moses. It's not Moses' season. It's Joshua's season. See, Moses... So much thought it was all about him and all his stick. He didn't realize that God was trying to take him into a new season. And we read this in Numbers where we find out why Moses never got to go into the promised land, even though he got to take them out of Egypt, put up with them for years upon years in the wilderness. 
he never actually got to go into the promised land. And it says this in Numbers 27 to 12. It says, God spoke to Moses, take that staff, assemble the community, you and your brother Aaron, speak to that rock that's right in front of them, and it will give water. You will bring water out of the rock for them. Congregation and cattle will both drink. Moses took the staff away from God's presence as commanded. He and Aaron rounded up the whole congregation in front of the rock, and Moses spoke, listen, rebels. It's a nice way to speak to your church, isn't it? Listen, rebels. Do we have to bring water out of a rock for you? With that, Moses raised his arm, and listen, he slammed his staff against the rock. Once, twice, water poured out, congregation and cattle drank, and God said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me, didn't treat me with holy reverence in front of the people of Israel, you two are not going to lead this company into the land that I'm giving them. He said to him, speak to the rock. See, previously, when this happened, Moses hit the rock with the stick as God commanded him, and water flowed. But what Moses didn't understand is that God's trying to take Moses into a new season. He's saying, I want you to speak to the rock. And he goes, I know what I'll do. I'll do what I did last time. I'll hit it with the stick again. And in that one moment, which seems really, really harsh on Moses considering he put up with these three million Wingenese for 40-odd years in the desert. In that one moment, God said to him, you didn't listen to me, you're not going in. Because the rock in the Scripture represents Jesus. And the first time he struck the rock represented Christ's crucifixion. He wanted him to speak to the rock because it represented a resurrection Christ and a new relationship. Instead, Moses struck it again. You see, you can't move in to the next season while you're still trying to use the old methods. What worked for you before is not what God's calling you to do now because God's always planned for us is to go from glory to glory, strength to strength. He's always wanting us to go better and further and beyond. And if we go, oh, that worked for me before, so I'll try that again, and we're not listening to his voice where he's saying, you know what, the stick last time, that was cool. But I'm telling you, if you speak to the rock, water comes out. I think that's a whole heap cooler, don't you? That's a whole nother level, a whole nother level playing field. But because Moses didn't understand the change in seasons, because Moses didn't understand that it was time to prophesy to the rock, he struck the rock and he missed out. The speak here in that scripture in the Hebrew language means to command, to subdue, to arrange, to appoint and declare. The scripture says that God, when he created Adam and Eve, he said, go forth, subdue, have dominion. It's the same sort of thing. He's saying, I want you to speak to the rock. I want you to arrange it. I want you to declare it. I want you to subdue this rock so that water would start to flow out of it. The water represents the flowing of the Holy Spirit. It's about speaking, not about striking. And striking was in the past, but now the future is about speaking that living water in a place, speaking to the hard hearts of people and seeing water begin to flow. It's not the old way that we did things. And the problem with the old way that we did things is we still suffer from it. And in our community today, where people think that the church is here to judge them, condemn them, and declare them guilty, when it's not that at all. They think that we're here just to strike them down all the time because of their behavior or how they live or whatever, but God never said that. He said, you need to speak to it. You need to encourage them. You need to prophesy. New Testament prophecy is about encouraging and building people up. It mean, encourage means to put courage in. It's not about declaring what they should or shouldn't be doing. It's about declaring their future. It's about declaring their new season. The promise still stands. Great is His faithfulness and it doesn't matter what you have done. I can prophesy to you today that the future ahead of you is far greater than the past by 
behind you because when you speak something into place, you're speaking, you're creating. It's not for communication. It's for creation. And the Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word of God in God's mouth because it's His Word. It's not who says it. It's what it is. And He's trying to say to Joshua, you need to let go of Moses because your future is a declaration, not a striking. Your future is not the stick. Your future is what's in your mouth. And I really feel strongly in my spirit that we got to, and I speak to myself when I say this, so often when we think about the future and what it is that we feel that God wants us to do, we go, when we tried that before, and we refer back to our past, but I love the way that the Message Bible puts it. It says, do not let the book of Revelation, as in the Scripture, depart from your mouth. I'm believing in this new season that as, a, as your pastor, as Trinity and I, and as a leadership team that comes around us, that our future will be marked by revelation, not by past constraints. That everything that we say and everything we do and every decision that we make comes with a revelation. It comes with an anointing. It comes with a declaration. It comes with a subduing. It comes with an arranging because it comes with a prophetic word attached to it that we would prophesy our future and let go of our past. I love that in the Valley of Dry Bones, when he says to him, can these bones live? And he goes, I don't know, only you know that. But what does he say to him? He says, you speak to them. You prophesy to them. You prophesy to the four winds, to the east, to the west, to the north and to the south. You prophesy. You command them to come. You speak it into being. I believe that we're coming into a season where you have to do it. Some of us here, we, we, we so don't believe in the Word of God in our mouths that the first thing we do rather than praying about a situation is we text people and we ask them to pray. And I'm not saying you shouldn't ask people to pray for your situation. It's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to say this. Sometimes we ask everybody else to pray while we remain silent. We want them to prophesy our future. We want them to pray for the healing. We want them to pray for the breakthrough while we sit back and we say nothing. I believe we're coming into a new season where, where I'm not saying you shouldn't ask people to pray for you. I'm not saying that. But you better be praying too. What are you speaking? What are you prophesying? What are you saying? What are you doing? What are, he says to the guy in the Valley of Dry Bones, you speak to them. You speak to them. Come on, friend. You speak to your situations. You speak to your circumstances. And if they don't change, then get people to pray with you. But don't sit back on the coattail of others expecting their prayers to answer your situations when you won't declare the Word of God. You know what that is? That's relying on Moses and what Moses can do instead of being a Joshua and declaring from your own mouth what it is that God wants you to do. You see, if you'll do the natural, he'll always do the supernatural. And so I have a question for you this morning before I just get into lot, three last things as we finish, and that is this. What is it? What is it that God's asking you to prophesy into your future and into the future of this place? What is it? Are we going to spend our time dwelling on the fact that Moses is dead and life hasn't gone the way that we wanted it to? Or are we going to start to prophesy the future that we believe that God can bring, the future that we believe that God wants for us? The Bible says this, that the latter rain is far greater than the former rain. In other words, your future is always better than your past, but you can't live in your future if you don't prophesy your future. Start to speak it into being. I believe that as we go into the new season, there's three things that we need to do as a church. Is that all right? Are you with me? I'm going to get through these really, really quickly. The first thing that I believe in this new season is going to require from you and it's going to require from me a commitment to see our community change. A commitment to see our community change. Not just, yep, yeah, I believe in for our community. No, a commitment to see our community change. I read this article about this company that takes people climbing up mountains. And uh, there's one of the big mountains in the States, and, 
and they take people up there, and people climb up there, and it's a you know, big touristy thing, and, and it takes two days to get to the mountaintop, and so what they do is they leave from the bottom of the mountain on the first day, and when they get halfway up, because it's America, the halfway house is more like a hotel, right? And so you get into this place, the halfway house to stay the night, and there's a beautiful fire, and there's jacuzzis, and there's a restaurant, and there's really nice beds, and, you know, en suite with a hot shower. It's really, really nice. And what they discovered, this mountain climbing company discovered, is that when they take people up this mountain, they always lose half of them after the first day, because half of them stay. In the resort, relaxing in the jacuzzi, eating the fine food. And the other half get up in the morning and they go to the top and then they come back down and they tell these people that have stayed their mountaintop experience. And what they see that those that stayed, when they start to hear the mountaintop experience, they start to regret that they became a camper rather than a climber. We have to decide when it comes to our community that we're not going to stop at the halfway house, that we're not going to stop when this place is just filled once, but we're going to keep going until this place is filled twice, three times, four times, five times on a Sunday, plus Saturday nights and everything else in between. We, we have to determine in our hearts that if we're going to have mountaintop experiences, we can't afford to settle for camping when we're meant to be climbing. Is anybody with me this morning? Are you understanding what I'm saying? We can't afford to settle and camp and just go halfway, just be half-hearted about what it is that we feel that God wants us to do, just half-hearted in our worship. I'll chuck one hand up or I'll put it halfway for you, and uh, you know, instead of doing big worship, um, we just do small TV worship, and you know, just wholeheartedness, you know, we'll, we'll give a little bit, but we won't pay our full tithe, because we're going to be comfortable halfway. You never have mountaintop experiences when you settle for camping halfway up. We have to be committed 100% that we want to see our community change. We have to understand this, that there's only one enemy that we have, and it's not the person sitting beside you. It's the devil. And what we need to do is stop worrying about what everybody else is doing around me, and let's focus on destroying his works, destroying what he's doing. And you know what? Campers don't achieve the mountaintop. Campers don't defeat enemies. Campers go halfway. And here's the thing about the enemy is he'll let you have a limited amount of success to make you feel like you've accomplished something, but then he'll just hope for you to settle about there. You don't want to settle. We want to go the whole way. We want to be mountaintop people. You know, we're we're a church that says that you can come as you are. We are not a museum that people get to come and look at each other. We are a hospital for the broken. And we are not here to judge people, and we are not here to analyze people. We are here to love people. We are here to see people healed. We need a commitment that we're fully committed to seeing this community transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. The second thing is, is we need to fully commit ourselves to raise the next generation. To raise the next generation. You see, God has taken me from where I was to where I am because God put someone alongside me that helped me do that. God put something, I, I, uh, last week I was at the Elam conference just for the morning hanging out with Pastor Daryl from the local Elam church here, such a good guy, such an awesome guy. But I bumped into it morning tea, a guy called Peter Gordon. And Peter Gordon would be about 76 years of age, or maybe he's a bit younger than that. I know he's the um, chaplain at Ian Cummings' work. Well, Peter Gordon came alongside me at 16 years of age, and helped me significantly with, with a pornography problem. He helped me overcome it. He walked the journey with me. He, he came along. I am where I am today because this man didn't judge me, but he walked with me. He used his experience, his knowledge, his understanding, his journey with God to help me walk out my journey with God. 
You see, our goal is not to turn around and go, look at this generation coming through. I don't like the music. and I don't. No, no, no. Our thing is this, should be this. And this is why I love people like Basil Witten, who are just like, you know, I just love seeing the young families coming. I love seeing the young people because he realizes that, that in the race that he's running right now and the stage that he's in, his job is to get alongside. You know, watching my parents this this week in Wanganui with my kids. They don't try to parent my kids, they're grandparents. But they walk alongside, they play games with them, they come alongside, and in playing card games, they're having conversations about things that we don't have conversations about. They're walking alongside them. They're coming alongside. Somebody did that for you, so you need to do it for, I don't really like the way you... Generations is not an age, it's a mindset. Generations is not an age, it's a mindset. I had to challenge my mum about this. I said, mum, you're acting like you're about 90 when you're only 77. Come on. You've still got life ahead of you. Come on. It's not the end. It's not that you retire. It's that you refire, yeah? There's so much more. Generations is not about a mindset. It's, it's about, generations is not about age. It's about a mindset because, you know, oh, but I don't really like that and I don't really like this and I don't really like how they do that. You know what, I can guarantee you probably in about 10 or 20 years' time, I'm not going to like the kind of praise and worship we do here on Sunday mornings. Because I listen to the stuff that my daughter listens to now, which will be future worship in the church. You, you watch, it'll happen, as every generation brings its own sound. And I'll probably be sitting here going, well, I don't like that. It's too loud. But here's the thing, they don't use a stick. They use a sword. We use this, but they're using that. You know, the whole multimedia thing just blows my mind, but that's what they're using to reach their generation. And so my job is to come alongside. My job is not to come alongside because of my age. My job is to come alongside because of my mindset. But in saying that, can I say the generation that's coming through, one of the instructions that God gave Joshua was this, remember everything Moses instructed you. And don't depart from it, and then you'll have success. The challenge for the generation coming through now is you've been told about gender stuff, you've been told about tolerance, you've been told about all this stuff that, frankly, doesn't, I'm not, I'm not how do I say this in a way that doesn't, I believe that we should love on every single, absolutely every single person on the face of this planet, whether they be gay, whether they be transgender, whether they be a murderer, whether they be a pedophile or whatever. I believe the greatest place that those people can be is in the church because in the church they'll have an opportunity to have an encounter with God and for their lives to be changed. So every single person is absolutely welcome in this place. However, tolerance that we're taught now is that we must accept everything and my scripture teaches me that we don't have to accept everything. And so what happens is a new generation comes through of new ideas and it dismisses what it's been taught by the previous. And he's trying to say to Joshua here, don't dismiss what Moses taught you. I've heard young people say stuff like this. It's okay to sleep around before you get married because that was then. That, you know, the, that was ages ago. The Bible was written ages ago. It's, it's different now. No, it's not. The Bible says that his word stands forever. It says that his word doesn't change. You don't twist the word to accommodate your preferences. Because here's the thing. If you keep on pushing against the word of God with your preferences, it's not the word of God that buckles and breaks, it's you. And so, younger generation, please hear me when I say this. We want to love on everybody. But you've got to remember, what does the word say? You've got to remember what I've been, and if you have any questions, well, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? Because I'm not saying that we should go around bashing people. I just need to really clarify this. Because when I used to do school camps with Seth and Madison, when I was at, when they were at Hill School, I, I would go along as a parent help. Anybody else done that? And all the parents were really, really nice to me until they found out I was a pastor. And then they all ignored me for the rest of the week. But you know what used to blow their mind the most? Is that me and Mr. Lawrence. Mr. Lawrence is the assistant principal at Hill School. Mr. Lawrence 
is homosexual. Me and Mr. Lawrence would do breakfast together, lunch together, dinner together, laugh together, joke together, take the mickey out of each other. We would have the time of our lives. And you see all these parents sitting back, uh, it doesn't compute. The pastor and the gay, oh, their brains are spinning out. But it was really, really easy because Mr. Lawrence is a cool guy. He's a nice guy. I like him. He's funny. Him and I get on really, really well. I like Mr. Lawrence. He may not agree with everything that I do, and I may not agree with everything that he does, but I can look beyond his sexual preference to his heart, and he can look beyond the fact that I'm a pastor to my heart. When the rest of them couldn't, the so-called tolerant people. What I'm trying to—I hope I've clarified this. Anyway, I'm getting off track. I'm trying to—I'm trying to explain to you that you can love people. You don't have to change your values. You don't have to change what the word says to be able to love people. Don't, don't compromise. Stand for truth. It's truth that sets people free, not compromise. Third thing, and I'm finishing on this this morning. Third thing, I should have finished the whole year early. Third thing, third thing is musicians come. Third thing is, the third thing I want us to do. First thing is, is I want us to make a fully commitment to loving on our community, to, to transforming our community. The, the second thing is, is, is I want us to make uh, a commitment to raising the next generation, completely bringing the next generation through to be all that God created them to be. And the third thing is this, the third thing is this, can, can, can you do this? Can you ask for more? Can you ask for more? I don't know about you, but I'm not happy. I'm not, oh no, sorry, that's not correct. I am, I am content, but I'm not satisfied. I'm content where I am. I'm content where we are as a church. I'm content that we have amazing people and we have all this cool stuff going on, but I'm not satisfied to stay here. To me, this is not enough. This is not enough. I don't see enough healings. I don't see enough salvations. I don't see enough marriages restored. I don't see enough financial blessing. It's not enough. It's not enough. Ask for more. He says, ask of me and I will give you the nations. It's not talking about countries, it's talking about people. Nations, it represents people groups. I'll give you entire people groups if you'd ask of me. You have not because you ask not. Ask for more. Ask for more. As I said before, the history of this church is that this place used to be packed from wall to wall with people and conferences. I want that again and more. I don't want to just see one church planted in the next five years. I'd love to see us plant five churches in the next five years. I don't want to just see $30,000 going to the mission field. I'd love to see a million dollars going to the mission field. Come on, I want more. I don't want to see one or two people saved on a Sunday. I want to see 30, 40, 50, 100 people saved on Sundays. I don't want to just see one marriage restored. I want to see all marriages restored. I don't want to see one person healed of cancer. I want everybody healed of cancer. I don't want us to just be a blip in our community. I want us to consume our community because that's what God says. Ask of me and I will give. And can I ask you, can we ask for more? More in your marriage, more in your family, more in your finances, more of the Spirit of God, more of God speaking to you, more words for people in your workplace, more confidence to speak out about what God, more wisdom so that you can have that conversation with your atheist friend that doesn't offend but wins them. More. Can we ask for more? Can we make a commitment to win our community? Can we make a commitment to raise the next generation? And can we make a commitment today that says, I'm going to ask for more. We're not going to stop with Moses' death, but we're going to step into, because His promise still stands. Great is His faithfulness. The promise He gave this church 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago is still the same promise that He gives it today. Because when you look at the past, there were schools on sites, there was retirement villages, there was counseling rooms. It's the same vision that God's placed in our hearts. Why? Because Moses might be dead, but the promise still stands. 
promise still stands. And it's not about a stick, it's about a sword. It's about what's in your mouth. It's about what you're going to prophesy into your future. It's about being fully committed to our community. It's about raising the next generation. And it's about asking for so much more. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Ask Him for so much more. Ask Him for so much more. Why don't you close your eyes just for a moment? Ask Him. Why don't you start asking Him, Lord, for some more this morning? Come on, start crying out to Him this morning. Ask Him for more. Ask Him for more. More of your spirit. More of your presence. More of your power. Come on, church. Come on, start asking Him for more. Oh, blind man Bartimaeus was at the side of the road. He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him to shut up. And the more they told him to shut up, the louder he cried out. And it got God's attention. Come on this morning. If you could get God's attention, what would you ask for? If you could get his full focus on you this morning, what is it that you'd ask him for? Come on, friend. Let's ask him for more. Let's ask him for more. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's ask him for more. Come on. Come on. Come on, church. church. Your promise still stands. Just why every eye is closed in this place this morning. You sing those words and you're like, your promise still stands great is your faithfulness. And you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, I, I want to believe you, Craig, that I'm going into a new season. I want to believe that we're going into a new season where, where your promise still stands, but, but I just can't see it. And there have been times where I've believed it, but I've just never really gone on to it. And I, I just want to pray for those people this morning, not, not in a condemning way, but I, I just really feel like... I know this sounds a little bit weird to say it like this, but I feel like God wants to break off the Moses, the dead things, the dead things in your world. And some of them have been really, really good things because Moses was a great guy, but God wants to just break off the dead things so you can step into the new things. So that when you sing that, His promise still stands great is your faithfulness. It's like your whole heart believes it with everything you've got. Maybe it's your unsaved kids this morning. You know, I mean, I've been praying and I've been believing, but I'm just not sure it's ever really going to happen. His promise still stands. Great is His faithfulness. Mine ain't so flash, but His is awesome. Maybe you're still holding on to Moses a little bit, or maybe you've given up on the promise. Maybe you've settled halfway up the mountain and because it was so hard just to get halfway, let alone get to the top. I want to encourage you this morning. I believe the Spirit of God is here to help you, to reignite, to reflame the passion, to just get that on the inside of you so that you can declare, I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains. And I believe with all of my heart that you're going to do it again. So if you're here this morning, when no one's looking around and you're like, man, I'd really love it if you could pray for me. I felt like I've been holding on to Moses a little bit. I've let go of the promise this morning. And I really need to get back on the inside of me that His promise still stands, that He's going to come through, that His word isn't empty, but it accomplishes everything that it sets out to do. And my words out of my mouth, what I'm going to prophesy into my future is only what Jesus tells me to say. I'm going to speak the words that He'd have me speak, that you and your whole household shall be saved. 
that there's a, it's a goodness of God that leads men to repentance, that it's by His stripes that I am healed. And we're going to start to declare those things. We're going to start to prophesy our future and not be controlled by our past. If that's you here this morning and you're like, man, I'd love it if you could just pray with me that, that God would help me to prophesy into my future. Why don't you just lift your hand across this place this morning? I need God to help me to prophesy into my future. Come on, just leave your hand right up. I need God to help me to prophesy into my future. And so, Father, I pray right now for every single hand that is lifted in this place. God, that when we think about the future, let it be the words of God on our lips, not our past experiences. Let it be the promise on our lips, not our past experience. Father, we declare in this meeting this morning that Moses is dead. So get going into the promised land that I promised you and your ancestors. I will be with you just like I was with Moses. Everything I promised him, you'll have. Every place you step your foot, you shall conquer it. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And if you would keep my words on your lips, everywhere you go, you will have success and all that you do. You will have success in every single thing that you do. You will have success in every single thing that you do because I will be with you. My words will carry you. Come on. My words will carry you. Come on. Come on, church. And I believe. Come on, church. One more time this morning. I see you do it. 